This is the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose, teaching influencers and entrepreneurs how to monetize and grow their businesses. of the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we're talking to Katie Widrick of MakeMediaOver.com, whose expertise lies in HTML code and SEO, which both absolutely scare me to my core. We're chatting all about optimizing your content for SEO. She's also offering a free email course and shares a fascinating strategy on how to use Pinterest for optimization. I also wanted to take this time real quick, guys, to remind you to make sure that you are a member of our Influencer Entrepreneurs Facebook group, where we love to continue the conversation that is happening about the podcast. So be sure to request access to our group. You can find it over at JennyMelrose.com. Up in the corner, there's a tab that says community, and it'll take you right there. All right, here we go. Okay, guys, we are going to dive right into this today. I am here with Katie Widrick of MakeMediaOver.com. How are you, Katie? I'm great. I'm so excited to be chatting with you, and, and I'm such a big fan of your podcast. It's always a thrill to be invited to be a guest on something you so appreciate as a listener yourself. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited that we finally get a chance to chat and talk. We have some mutual friends with Nicole, Danielle, Katie. We've kind of went through beforehand. Um, it's a great community of really inspiring female entrepreneurs, and I, I love that you're showcasing them. And yeah, it's it's always fun too to hear the voices of people that you mostly know online and trying to put the face to the voice to the content is, is always a real joy. Yes. No, and I think that's part of one of my favorite things about doing the podcast is that I've also put in the fact that I have the video as well. So people can get to see, like, put a face to the name and watch all the crazy <laughs> facial expressions that I have a tendency to make. Yeah, or, or the funny hand gestures that I'm always trying to, like, Katie, remember, keep the hands in your lap, keep them crossed. People don't need to see your wild gesticulations when you're talking about optimization. I love it. Oh, my goodness. Too funny. All right. So tell us, tell my audience a little bit about what it is you do, your past experiences, so we can kind of put it all into perspective. Sure. And I'll, I'll try to keep it short because I know that all of us who are in this business, we really, in very rare cases, did we end up where we, we thought we were going to end up when we started. Um, my background is actually in television news. I came up through college with a broadcast journalism degree, always thought I would be in the newsroom. I always had a real passion for informing people and trying to teach them and hopefully tell them a story that inspired them. Um, and I still work in journalism and in television in some of what I do. But what I found over the years is that that passion that I had for teaching people was really about solving their individual problems. And so I launched my own blog in 2007. Yes, I'm an old OG blogger from way back, and uh, I started on sillytatertot.blogspot.com. So I've come a long way from that terrible name and platform to uh, what I help people with today. But over the last you know decade or so, I have really kind of understood that there are people who have great stories and great perspective and great product ideas, and they need to get them out there. But sometimes 
no, most of the time, the technical stuff is really scary. And I have always hated when people are afraid to launch something because they don't want to do it wrong or they're afraid something will break. And so over the last few years, I've really shifted from wanting to blog about my own experience, my own personal story. And I have found a sweet spot, I hope, in helping other people who have great content teaching them that it's okay to experiment, showing them what happens when a blog post breaks or you know, teaching them how to do better through search engines. Um, I, I have created Mink Media over from a side hustle to a full-blown, you know, full-time, full-income job, really doing what I've always been passionate about, and that's just making the scary stuff less scary and making it as user-friendly as possible because there is a lot of jargon and there are a lot of gurus and six-figure ninjas that will talk to you about funnels and optimization and this, that, and the other. And I just think, you know, there's there's enough of that, and it's great to have those big picture ideas. But sometimes you just need to sit in front of your computer and say, well, what does optimization even mean? Or how do I start a Facebook page? So that's really what I've created my company to do. I love that, especially as someone that is afraid of the tech side and awesome didn't feels like I can't move forward because I don't know how to do this. It yeah, it's is. unbelievable that that word fear um, has always resonated with me because, um, you know, I, I said to someone the other day, I said, you know, it's just code. It breaks. We fix it. It's just code. And I think, you know, maybe it's too simple to say something like that. But, you know, I, I think in any business, if you are afraid to try something because you might fail at it or because someone else is already doing it better or you're not quite sure how to do it perfectly, you really can find yourself totally stuck. Um, And so as much as possible, I'm trying to empower people to be a little bit less fearful. And if they continue to be fearful, to understand that people like me and other coaches and other, you know, helpful, hopefully service providers can come in and fix things when they do get broken. And that I, I think of myself really as the Olivia Pope. Uh, I'm a big scandal fan. I, I'm the Olivia Pope of blogging. <laughs> I, I, ad nauseum, my clients will tell you, I say things like wear the white hat and, you know, let me handle it. And, um, and even as silly as that sounds, again, I think the idea is just, you know, bad things will happen. You can't be afraid of that. If you have a business idea or a blog post you want to write or something you want to do, go do it. And the worst thing that can happen is it's not as successful as you wanted. You fix that and you move forward. And that's really what I hope to do is to, to make people less afraid, to empower them, to teach them these little things that can often be overwhelming and scary. So you said it's just code, and I automatically went to a flashback about three and a half years ago when I had just had my youngest daughter. She was literally two weeks old, and I was crying on the phone to go daddy because they couldn't get my site back up and didn't know what was wrong with it. Yeah, so. and, and, and that's hard, too, because I think – a lot of times when you go to tech support and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that industry. I mean, there is so, I have so much respect for people that can hard code things from scratch and have these great analytical mathematical coding minds. That's not really my mind. You know, I, um, I think if somebody says to me, well, obviously you just go into the HTML, you're going to update this line of CSS and you're going to do, you know, I, even though I do that and I, I can translate it, it's so easy to see why that's overwhelming. And I, I think it also goes back to what I was saying about, you know, the so-called ninjas and gurus and all of these people. Sometimes I think you, we, myself included, let ourselves get caught up in the momentum of these big ideas. And then when we sit down to execute them, we're like, okay, I get what a funnel is, but 
what do I write in my email? What's a lead magnet? Um, and so I think, you know, for better or for worse, there are great tech people that can fix it and that can try and explain. And then there are great people who have creative ideas and minds and stories to tell. And that middle part is where I'm hoping to step in. And I often do think of myself as a translator. So I have clients that will come to me all the time and say, my host says I have an overage of my computer resources. What do I do? I mean, that's terrifying. Or they'll get a tutorial link that has things like that just make you think you're going to be, you know, writing code from scratch. Really, it's almost always as simple as, oh, what they mean by this is step one, step two, step three, and let's do that together. And that's that's really what I have tried to do and, and try to work one-on-one -on -one with people so that um, when I get those panicky emails, the first thing I say is take a deep breath. It's just code. Let's go in and fix it. And it, there's really almost nothing that can't be fixed. And if it can't, you move forward and you learn from it. Right. Yes. I'm going to have to repeat my, that to myself often, <laughs> just code. Um, yes. Oh, my goodness. So now what would you say is the toughest part about being an entrepreneur? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, any given day, I'm crying about something. You know, I, <laughs> I, I think um, from my perspective, when you are passionate about what you do, sometimes I think it's hard not to take everything personally and to take a step back and keep your business hat on when really you're still at the end of the day, that person, you know, that, that is trying to do a great job or is trying to be successful. And so sometimes that manifests in, you know, a product launch or a blog post or something that you've done that just it falls flat and you're not sure why. And you take that personally. Is it that I'm not as good as the person next to me? Is it that people didn't like my writing, my photo? Am I not sharing quality, interesting content? It, we internalize that. I do. And then, you know, depending, you could use that in any industry. Um, so I think not taking failures personally and not falling into the comparison trap. That's number one. And then the other thing, at least for me, is that elusive work-life balance. And, and you mentioned Nicole. Nicole Culver is a great friend of mine. I lean on her a lot for, you know, we sort of trade mentor roles. One of us will be having a tough day and talk to the other. And then the next day it's reverse. And I think you have to have a community of like-minded people like that, that you can whine to and cry to and not feel like you're, you know, complaining about this great gift that you have of your business. Um, but you know, I, I was, I was sort of saying to her that, um, you know, I, I think the struggle is always wanting to wanting to not just perform, but overperform and dialing that back so that you're not making promises that you either can't keep or that to keep them, you then have to take time away from your family or you find yourself working till midnight or you find yourself taking Saturday mornings to work. Um, that work-life balance, as much as I hate that phrase, is the thing that I think I struggle with most. Um so, I mean, that's a long-winded answer to your short, very quality question, but those two things, and, and I don't know any entrepreneur, any, any entrepreneur who's in it for the long term that didn't get into it because they saw a need. And certainly we are all at the end of the day, business people, and we do what we do because we think there's a revenue stream. We think there's an opportunity to build our brand and make money. And, and I don't have any problem with that, but in almost I can't think of anyone in my circle that did it just because they 
saw that bottom line. They did it because yes, there was this supply and demand, but they had the expertise, they had the passion. And that's the thing that, that does have us working till nine. It would be easy to say no to stuff um, if we didn't love what we were doing. And so, yeah, it, it's, it, that's my daily struggle. I have two young kids. Uh, you know, I have multiple hats that I'm wearing. I have all these clients that I don't want to let down, but I still have to take care of myself and I can't do a good job for myself or my family or my clients if I don't try to keep some breathing room. Yes. No, balance is definitely, I think, the biggest thing that I hear from most people that I interview. And it's also my biggest thing. It's just, I mean, I have one that I'm running to the doctors this afternoon. It's just, you know, it's crazy. Yes. You don't, and I had to cancel on you last week because I had a sip, well, the other one was sick. Mine is sleeping right now with a sinus infection. And I had to, I mean, it's like, she's one, she's 15 months. And I looked at her in the face and I said, listen, I need you to take your nap on schedule today. Cause mommy has work to do. Thankfully she's, you know, understanding and complying with that. But yeah, it's, it's really tough. And, and I guess that's, to me, that's the other thing that I have done well over the last couple of years is I've understood that there, there are always going to be other clients. You have to find the people that you truly in your heart of hearts want to work with yes. that, you know, you can help, but that will understand when you say my kid has a fever of 104, I can't chat today, or my house is a mess, or, you know, I screwed that up. I'm really sorry. It wasn't negligent. I'm going to fix it, but this is what happened. Those are the clients that I love working with and working for because they understand that, yes, I'm a business person, but I'm a person first. And, and they're always very gracious. Um, and the very, very few times that I've been unhappy with what I do, I know that it's because I chose clients that were not a good fit or I took on projects that in my gut, I knew we're not right for me or not right for that client. And I took it on anyway. And lo and behold, it didn't go very well. Yeah. And I think too, as far as when we're talking about like it being a full time for us where we are home and we are trying to juggle the kids and try to get that balance. But then I remember back to when it was a side hustle and mm -hmm. I was doing it literally just at night because I was a full-time teacher as well and still had two kids at the same time. And I just kind of puts it back into perspective. I'm like, okay, I can choose to set this time aside and to have clients that understand that this is who I am and this is the way my business is going to have to run at this particular point in my life. Yeah. It, it's funny. I was talking with someone the other day and we were trying to schedule a call and I said, you know, my hours are between this and this and she worked full time. And so she was asking about evening and weekend appointments. And in a, a part of me, my instinct was to be like, nope, I don't do that. That's my line. I had to remember that she's where I was five years ago and try to try to also be gracious for my client's time too. Um, and so it's, it's really tricky. And in that case, what I did was I scheduled her for an evening and I made a point. I mean, I literally said, in my Google calendar and work at this time. And I picked my kids up and I took them to the playground. And that's, you know, I try to spend as much time with them as possible, but there are days when I've got to bring them home and, you know, they've got to get a snack or draw or play outside while mommy does work. Um, and so taking that time to say, listen, I am going to take this hour away from me time but I'm going to supplement it with this extra bonus hour doing stuff with my family that I wouldn't have done. And that, those are the little things that help me sleep at night and, and help me kind of feel like, um, even though I don't, I never feel like I'm doing everything well, I at least on those days don't feel like I'm failing at everything either. Right. So now where would you say, where do you feel your strength lies? 
Yeah, that's it's an evolving thing. Um, but today I feel more confident about where my strength lies than ever. And I think that comes to, to put kind of a full circle point on it from doing things and not doing them well or in the experience of doing them saying, you know, I'm good at that, but I don't like it. Or I like that, but I'm not great at it. And kind of, you know, I think you have to do these things to really find that sweet spot. Um, Where I am today, though, is I have uh, one of the lessons that I learned was that for me, catering to masses is not my strength. I can build courses and I can do live webinars and I speak, you know, I do all these things and I'm confident and I enjoy it. But what gives me the most fire in my soul is when I'm helping one person fix their individual needs. So that might be working with someone to launch a new email marketing course and not just talking in broad terms about email marketing strategies, but in saying, this is what your welcome email is going to be. This is the lead magnet we're building for you. Here's how we're going to design it graphically. And even though that it was hard for me to have that lesson because it feels like everyone's saying, you know, passive income and, and all of these things. And I love that as a consumer, I'm voraciously interested in that. For me, I needed to say, that's great. They're serving those audiences already. I need to be the one that sits with Jenny and says, okay, your site got hacked. Let's fix it. Or let's talk about how to market your new ebook and let's come up with a strategy. The strategy that I come up with for you or this other client is not going to be something that I can repeat and reuse. So it seems inefficient, but I do think that's the underserved audience. And that is what really, again, sort of lights my soul on fire. When I get an email from saying, from one client saying, I just launched the ebook. I already we got 10 sales. I'm so excited. Thank you for your help. Uh, I don't know that they could have had that same experience if they had just watched a course that was more broadly marketed to them. So, so yeah, one-on-one or one in small groups, that's really my, my sweet spot and what I feel like is my strength right now. Excellent. Yes. I honestly, I was missing that piece of it, I think. And that was why with, so I have a membership site where they can get Facebook live weekly and we could do webinars. But I added in that one-on-one because I was, I was missing the actual interaction and getting to know them and their family and all of the little pieces that goes into their site in their daily life. So yeah. I definitely feel that need as well. It's definitely something that's there for sure. So now let's get into the whole SEO because yes, people hear SEO and it like, <laughs> I can, yeah. I know. Yeah. It's, I mean, again, going back to what we said at the beginning, I think people are more scared of SEO than, than just about anything. And it's, again, I think it's this feeling that there is some right or wrong way to do it. And a lot of the history I imagine comes from SEO being used as a term or a verb, this high level thing that you had to get certified in, or you had to be doing for 10 years and who knows how algorithms work. And, and, And that is, you know, there, there are a lot of nuances to search engine optimization, just as there are nuances to email marketing and building a Facebook community, creating great graphics. I mean, I think you could say across the board, anything that is connected to online marketing, there's sort of like the big picture. And then there are all of the advanced steps that you can do to nudge the system more. That's SEO. Because to me, at the end of the day, SEO is simple. SEO stands for search engine optimization. And the idea is people are going to search engines to ask questions and look for answers to their problems. Search engines are trying to give those people who are searching the answers. And then we, as the content creators, are the ones that are the people 
making the answer. So maybe I made it more convoluted than it is, but it, it comes down to people are looking for answers. We're answering them. What can we do in the interim to say to Google, Hey, you, all of those people that are searching for a healthy chicken recipe or are looking to see how to build a Pinterest graphic or what is the best email marketing provider to use? They're already asking that. I have the answer over here. Can you please put us together? That's that's what SEO is. Um, and so at its very core, it comes down to answering questions that people are already asking. And that sounds simpler than it, it apparently is to people. Um, it comes down to making sure that your website and your posts are written and designed in a way that really helps Google quickly understand what your post is about so that it can put you in front of the people that are looking for that content. And then it's just about kind of small things, making sure that the overall, you know, health of your website is good, that you're not facing any Google penalties, that there's not something you're doing that's blocking you from um, appearing in search results. So that's, that's the core of SEO to me. And I think people get very caught up in keywords and meta descriptions and this, that, and the other. Um, I think it's as simple as what are people asking? Can I answer it? And then how do I tell Google I've answered it? So I feel like the biggest area that my audience struggles now, I have a lot of food bloggers um, and a lot of mom bloggers. So they, so let's do an example. I'm really that, that for me kind of solidifies it when we kind of are able to give an example and you kind of touched on it. You said a healthy chicken recipe. Is it better to call it a healthy chicken recipe or would it be make more sense to call it specifically what it is? So if it's an oregano slow cooker chicken salad um, yeah. as compared to your healthy chicken salad recipe? So I, I'm going to give you an answer that seems evasive, but I promise I'm going to bring it back full circle to answer yes. your question. Because here's the here's really the big takeaway that I give clients and bloggers and when I post about this, I think we as it, human nature, we will write a post and then we will optimize it. We'll write it first and then we'll try to fit it into some box, some keyword, yes. when really 99% of the time you're going to be much more successful if you start by figuring out what are people already searching for. What are they searching for that gets high number of impressions, but maybe low competition, low answers? And then how can I take the idea of that and still keep it in my expertise, still keep my flair on it, but write about it in a way that answers the question they're already asking. So to your healthy chicken recipe, the first thing I would do is say, don't worry about the title, go do a keyword search. And there are a number of ways that you can do it. I just published a post and I'll make sure you have a link to it. And it's actually a shortcut to using Pinterest as a keyword search tool because we're already on there, right? We know how to use it. It's so much less overwhelming than trying to manage one of these SEO tools that everyone says you have to use. Pinterest really has it all built in and it's fun to do. So I have a tutorial on exactly how to do it. And I actually walk through some specific recipe and other post ideas and show how I would do the keyword research for that. Okay. But so I would start off by saying, before I sit down and write my healthy chicken recipe, let me go see what people are searching. You're going to very quickly find out, are they searching for boneless chicken breast recipes? Are they searching for how to uh, roast a whole chicken? Are they looking for how to take chicken and use it in leftovers? And from there, you're not just going to have one post, but you're going to come up with a whole editorial calendar of ideas that answer the questions that people are asking. And that's what you would take to use in your post. So 
if we if you want to do a recipe about healthy chicken, you would go and you might see people are asking how to roast a whole chicken. So then your take on that over on your post might be here's how to roast a whole chicken and some healthy shortcuts. Maybe instead of, you know, I am not a, a cook and 90% of my food, my clients are food bloggers. So it's always ironic to me that I try to explain it in food terms that are probably terrible. But you might say, you know, here's how to roast it without oil or butter. Here's how to roast it um, with the skin on, but then, you know, take the skin off later. Maybe there are some variations to, you know, what you can put in the roasting pan to make it aromatic and flavorful and delicious, but cut out some of the hidden, you know, fat and and, and calorie bomb traps. Those are all things that answer people's questions, but do it in a way that caters specifically to what they're looking for. Going back to your question about how to title a recipe, one of the things that I would want your audience to know is that if they're on WordPress, a tool like Yoast for SEO, which is a plugin, is really helpful. For other platforms, there are some other built-in SEO tools. The idea, though, is that you can have your blog post be one name and you can give it a different title for search engines. And that's where that keyword research and that title research, I think is really important. So if you were writing, let's just use my roast chicken as an example. If you were going to be doing a post all about how to roast uh, chicken and maybe, you know, have a healthier roast chicken a recipe, your blog post title might be something like, um, this is the way to get the juiciest, healthiest chicken right from the oven. That's compelling. It's kind of, you know, it gives you some good clickable, um, teasable headlines for social media and for your blog. Your SEO title might be roasted or how to roast a chicken without butter or oil and still keep it juicy and flavorful. Okay. Because those are terms, those are questions that people are searching. Um, and the other thing too is that I, I promise no jargon, but the meta description is another place where you can start to optimize for search engines without feeling like you have to turn your blog post itself into some boring, you know, copy paste keyword stuffing adventure. As long as your blog post is well written and you are answering again the questions, you're giving people tips. Google is really smart at looking at your content and saying, "Wow, this is a healthy chicken recipe." but she also talks about how to roast it, how to carve it, what size, and all of that's going to help you when people are doing various searches. The SEO title that I mentioned and the meta description, which again is part of most SEO tools, is just another way so that when you do appear on search pages for people that are searching healthy chicken or how to roast a chicken, when you do appear there with the nine other results, the SEO title and the meta description are sometimes the things that will get people to click your post versus other posts that happen to be on the page. So those are all little nudges to Google. Sometimes when I go through this with clients and what we're talking about in a half hour is often something that I talk about over weeks with people. So I know that we're jamming a lot into, you know, a a small timeframe. But what I try to, to remind people is that at the end of the day, as long as you are writing well, And I know that's an art, but as long as you're writing well and you're teaching people something and you're informing them, uh, you know, Google is going to do a lot of the heavy lifting. All of these things are just little nudges. It's never too late to go back and adjust existing posts. It's never too late to go back and fix things that maybe you tried and didn't do very well. Um, And that's my favorite thing about search engine optimization and search engine marketing is that there is no game. When you're trying to get a post to do well on Facebook, you play this game of what time do I post? Do I switch out the photo? What if I tag this person? And there's a lot to be said for that. It can be very successful. The good and the bad news about Google is there isn't that. You can't 
submit it to a share for share group and have it appear 10 times. You can't really artificially inflate the rankings. All you can do is write great content, give Google as much information as you can. And to me, the thing that separates people who do well on search engines and do great on search engines is starting with that very first step, which is let me go find out what people are already looking for and already asking in my niche, in my vertical, and then let me create a post or a series of content that specifically answers those questions. Right. Okay. So now we talk about SEO as far as the title. What about images? Because I know, I mean, we're obviously hoping to get pinned. We pin them ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's where you're telling us to go and search, which I love because that's how people use it now. They don't yes. use Pinterest to just follow, the, you know, the one person that they're look, following on Pinterest. So how do we optimize our pictures. Do we have the same title throughout? What would you say? Yeah. So one of the things to keep in mind about optimizing images is that, well, again, while there are many reasons to do it, the big one for me is that more people than you probably imagine actually search Google images looking for content. Yeah. So you might going back to our healthy chicken recipe, you might not just search Google, but you might search Google images for healthy chicken or how to, you know, how to plate chicken or how to uh, create a beautiful chicken roast for Sunday dinner. Those are all search terms and queries that people might put in. Even if they are not actively looking through Google images, sometimes Google will just present them with the image strip at the top. And so what happens a lot of times, if you, if we sort of take off our influencer and content creator hats and put on our person who uses search engine hats, if you think about that, if you see a beautiful plate of chicken, your instinct is going to be to click on that photo. And then on the photo, it says visit page. And the, so that links to the blog post or the website or whatever it is. So more than anything, optimizing your images is really a, is the same concept as optimizing the post. It's if somebody is so compelled to click on the image, how can I, how can I make sure that my image as well as my link itself shows up when someone searches for healthy chicken or um, Thanksgiving stuffing or cranberry sauce without sugar or all of these things that you know people are searching for. And again, how do you know that? Because you took some time to go look for that first. Um, and and I, I, frankly, some of my clients' best discoveries are made not because they were looking for something specific, but they might type in something like cranberry sauce. I had a client working on this the other day. She wanted to do something on cranberry sauce. We knew that that term was going to be fairly competitive. And so when we started to do a little bit of research, we understood that people search often for cranberry sauce without sugar or cranberry sauce with mixed nuts or leftovers, uh, uses for leftover cranberry sauce. And she was able to create a whole series of content that she never imagined. She never went to the kitchen and said, how do I do this? When she saw the need, she answered it. Um, but so, so one of the main reasons to optimize your images is so that just like your post is showing up that you are getting people, you're getting your image to appear when people are searching for certain terms and then you get that click through. Um, and so that, that all pulls in and, that, and as, uh, most SEO tools and, and, uh, you know, Yoast is again, one of my favorites, but as it will tell you, as it's essentially analyzing the content you have, it will try to give you any little trick, any little tip that you can do to give Google more information and richer information. So generally with the alt tag, I defer to what works best on Pinterest. And it, that depends somewhat on your plugin and how your site is set up. As you probably know, sometimes it will, Pinterest will pull from your alt tag. Sometimes it's from the description. So you need to figure out what that is first with the tool you're using. But pretty much I will take the SEO title 
and use that as the alt tag. Because again, the idea is it's, you don't necessarily want to have a super fun alt image or alt tag for your photo. You want to speak specifically to what people are searching for. Right. I love that. So now I love asking this question. It's like one of my favorites to ask. Cause I got to put you on the spot. Okay. Uh, what would be your projections for 2017? Oh, my, well, you know, funny enough, you're not putting me on the spot because I published a post all about my 2017 <laughs> predictions. Love um, it. And I had done 2016 predictions. And I, I sort of broke my arm patting myself on the back because uh, I it was very successful in my 2016 predictions. And so hopefully 2017 um, is the same. I think, you know, there, there are a couple of takeaways. Number one, I think the best news is that, um, you know, our audience is getting away from direct traffic. Our audience is not coming to us every single day and putting our URL up in the, you know, and even feed readers. I mean, I, again, have been blogging for years. Google Reader was such a, a tremendous force. And then when it got retired, we all moved to Feedly and Bloglovin and these services. And that's always going to be a great service. But more and more audiences are coming through search engines or social media. And those are not sticky loyal audiences. Those are not sticky people. You know, they, they weren't coming to browse a beautiful deep library of recipes. They were looking for healthy chicken. They got it. And now they're going to go to the kitchen and make it. So I think embracing that as an opportunity, if you maybe started more recently, or if you have not had the tremendous page views that, you know, your neighbor has, this is a great opportunity to say, while they're still relying on their direct content, which we know is going to continue to drop and drop and drop, I'm going to lean in and make sure that I'm spending some time on optimization for search engines. Make sure that I am doing what I can to get pinned or to show up in Pinterest's feed. Um, you know, those are the, the opportunities, I think. And I do think direct traffic is going to continue to to just dive bomb, um, for better or for worse. Um, the other thing too, is that, you know, I, I coined, I said this in 2016, I believe it even more in 2017, the idea of it being an influencer is going to be the thing that we all say. I don't say I'm a blogger much anymore, even though, you know, in my circles, um, that's a term that people understand, but blogger feels juvenile. It feels, yes. um, like it feels like the thing that you do, you know, after work. Um, and, and to me, I still enjoy reading journals. I still, I want anyone and everyone to start a blog. I don't want you to feel like you have to be perfect to launch it. But what I do is my job. Um, I spend time, I make money, I pay my mortgage with it. You know, it's, this is a real legit business for me and for most of the people who are doing this. And so I just feel like we've advanced past the word blogger. And so moving to influencer is, is a big one. It also really showcases the fact that, um, and this, this might be blasphemy. Um, I don't think you have to have a blog anymore. If you were asking me this three years ago, I would have said you're crazy not to have a blog. I absolutely think you need to have a website and you need to start strategically thinking about how you're going to capture an audience, but you can become an incredible power broker and influencer on Instagram and never post something on your blog. You can be a recipe creator and do it all on Snapchat or YouTube and you don't ever have to do it on your site. So moving away from feeling like everything has to be centered around the blog is a big one. I have a lot of clients right now that kind of found overnight success on a platform and then retroactively were like, well, I guess I better start a blog. And that's great. It's certainly good for SEO, but 
they're still putting their focus into the platform and not the website. And, and I think that's another opportunity for people. Um, and I think the last thing that, I'm, again, you're seeing with this, and, and I'm sure you're seeing in your circles, is that it's, it's video, video, video. And beyond that, it's live. Facebook Live. I mean, I remember like Periscope, you know, two years ago, I probably would have told you Periscope is where you had to be. And then that shifted to Snapchat. And now it's Instagram stories and it's Facebook Live. And so the tool itself is is going to change. I mean, by the time someone is listening to this, who knows what one of the platforms will have done. If you can embrace the fact that you have an opportunity to really be forward and on the cutting edge of video production and live presentations, I think you will find a lot of success and brands are going to be clamoring for that. that. That's absolutely the case. Yes. So I need to make sure that I say this. I did not tell Katie to say that about the influencers because obviously I, that's what, you know, our Facebook group is influencer entrepreneurs. And I totally just got off consult with someone that is a big blogger that has been around for a long time, gets a million page views. And we were mm-hmm. talking about working with brands and that was one of the first thing that I noticed that she was doing, she's calling herself a blog. And I said that to her and I felt kind of funny, but I was like, you're not a blog. Like you have a business. You're huge. You have to own it. Like it's past that point of it just being a blog where people kind of, you say blog and it does. It gives that unprofessional kind of like, oh, she's just on the side, staying home, sipping her tea and writing. Right. Or, Or people I think still think of blogging as what it was five, 10 years ago. And that's, we all posted three times a day. Here's what I ate. Here's how I worked out. Here's what I wore. And you know what? I, that, I mean that lovingly. I'm man, that was my bread and butter. I thrived on seeing what other people like me were doing. I got to know some of my very best friends today because I was following their, what I did today posts. You know, there's there, that was the, that's the foundation of what we started, but that's not what blogging is today. And again, it goes back to this I think fallacy that people still think they have to do those types of posts. If you're a new blogger and you want to talk about your life and you want to journal more power to you, some of the most exciting posts on the internet are people talking about their real stories, right? But there's an art to that. And I don't think that you have the opportunity to get traffic from search engines and social media. When you have that type of blog, you're really going to be relying on your community of loyal, direct people to come to you day after day. That can be a very small, incredibly, you know, empowering, passionate group of people. So if that's your jam, I am all for it. But if you ask me strategically to, you know, to say what has the most growth, this comes back to what we were saying throughout our conversation. And it's the news you can use. What can I teach someone that they want to know, but don't, how can I put my spin on it? And how can I make sure that I continue to elevate my brand and my authority to show people that, yes, I'm an expert in this. I'm going to teach you. I'm still going to be fun. I'm still going to be silly. I'm still going to post, you know, cat memes and, you know, I'm still going to talk about being Olivia Pope. But in all of that personality, I am going to give you a takeaway and I'm going to do it consistently so that you can come to my site and find great stuff. But more to the point, as you need things and you search, I'm going to pop up. Fabulous. I love it. Um, so you actually put together a download for my audience. Everybody can go to jennymelrose.com backslash podcast 13 and you'll be able to get that download from Katie. Katie also has some exciting things in the works for a free course, which I'm so excited about because I've had so many of my members in my master's program asking about SEO and I always kind of feel like, 
I don't feel confident teaching this. Let's find someone else. So this is perfect. Now, can you tell everyone, I'm going to make sure that in the show notes, I have the links to those articles that you said, because I'm dying to get on the one for Pinterest in particular. Um, But (laughs) tell everyone where they can find you, what's the best social media platform, and then again, your website. Absolutely. And again, thank you everyone for listening and thank you for inviting me to be a guest. I I know this stuff is overwhelming and scary. And if I can even unlock one aha moment in someone, that that is what makes me inspired to get up and do it day after day. So I, I really do appreciate everyone's time. Um, the best place to find me on my website is makemediaover.com. There's a tab right up at the top that says freebies. And that's the best place to figure out and to get any of my special opt-ins. I try to add some new stuff to the library. So that's a great place to go. Um, in terms of social media, I love being on Instagram. I share a lot of social media and technology tips there. And I also share funny pictures of my girls and my crazy office life. And uh, I work in fitness. And so I'll talk about how much I hate running, even though I keep doing it. Um, and that's it. <laughs> that's at Kay Widrick. So Instagram.com slash Kay Widrick. And I'm at Kay Widrick across social media as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, Katie, for taking the time to talk with me and speak with my audience. I appreciate it so much. It was my pleasure. And again, I, I am such a big fan of the podcast. So I am excited for 13 and beyond. And 13 is a lucky number for me. So it feels it feels like kismet that you invited me on today. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, there you have it. We dove in deep into SEO and keywords and you all managed to survive. More importantly, so did I. Because honestly, I wasn't so so sure starting out the conversation. Always scares me when we start talking about SEO and keywords and HTML code. So make sure that you are following Katie Widrick. You can find her again over at makemediaover.com. She's also offering up that free email course for you guys. So you can find that at jennymelrose.com backslash podcast 13. And you'll be able to find the link to click right on over to sign up for her email course. I also want to take this time to remind you guys that if you haven't signed up yet for our Influencer Entrepreneurs free Facebook community, we are always talking about the podcast episodes over there. Love to continue the conversation. So I'd love for you guys to request access and join us over there. As well as we always appreciate it when you leave a review about the episode as well as subscribe because you don't want to miss out. We're here every Monday morning and we want to make sure that you are listening along with us. All right, until next time.